In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The bedtime prayer that my parents taught me when I was a child went like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I'm grateful to mom and dad for teaching me to pray in this way because it is a sturdy little prayer entirely devoid of sentimentality. It frankly confronts the inescapable fact of our mortality. It squarely faces the truth that, as Sufjan Stevens sings, we're all going to die. The prayer also recognizes the unknowability of when each of us will face death. It might be that I might die before I wake. I know I'm going to die, but I don't know when that will be. And the prayer sets up a parallel between sleep and death. As I lay me down to sleep, I pray God to keep my soul, which corresponds precisely to what I ask for when and if I should die. In both instances, I entrust myself entirely to the Lord. I abandon myself, my all, into his everlasting arms, trusting that the Lord will care for me when I cannot care for myself. But as it happens, the parallel between sleep and death is at play in both our lessons this morning. The epistle lesson and the gospel lesson both use sleep as a metaphor for death. In the epistle lesson, St. Paul speaks of death in terms of falling asleep in order to proclaim the resurrection of the dead, which is at the very heart of our hope as Christians. And in the gospel lesson, the image is more in the background to be sure, but it's still operative there, even though the emphasis is more on exhorting us to moral and spiritual alertness, because we cannot know when the world will end, much less our own lives. And in both lessons, as we'll see, there's also another sense of sleep not far below the surface. And I haven't forgotten that it's Pledge Sunday. Don't worry, I'll get to that too. First, let's look at the epistle. St. Paul writes to give hope to the Christians at Thessaloniki concerning the dead, or as he puts it, them which are asleep. His teaching is clear and direct. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, he says, Even so, them also, which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. It's a straightforward summary of the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead, our very hope as Christians. And as St. Paul says elsewhere, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And again, for now is Christ risen from the dead 
and become the first fruits of them that slept. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. We shall not all sleep, St. Paul says, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. Our mortal and corruptible bodies will be made like unto the glorious and incorruptible body of our Lord Jesus Christ. This hope for the resurrection makes sleep an apt metaphor for death, because the Lord is able to raise our corruptible bodies from their graves, just as if we were sleeping in our beds. Notice here also the emphasis that Paul places on being with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, he summarizes at the end of the passage. And a few verses later, he says that our Lord Jesus Christ died for us, so that whether we are asleep or awake, we might be with him, we might live with him. As Christians, we hope for nothing so earnestly as that, to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we long for. That is our desire and our destiny. As an old prayer has it, our Lord wants us to dread nothing but the loss of him. More positively, Paul himself says elsewhere, I count everything as loss, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead." Like the epistle, the gospel has to do with the coming of the Lord. But the emphasis is different. Where the epistle seeks to establish the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel proclaims the Lord as the one who shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead. If the apostle looks for the day when we shall be ever with the Lord, The wise virgins in the parable look for the coming of the bridegroom. And so, like the epistle, the parable in the gospel is full of joyous expectation. But there's also a note of sober judgment. Like the other parables in the sequence in St. Matthew's gospel, it shows that we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, that each of us will give an account for himself to God. And through this parable, our Lord calls us to live in earnest anticipation of that day, to live as if today was a day that we would face the Lord who comes to judge both the quick and the dead. As our Lord sums up the thrust of the parable at the end of the passage, watch therefore, for he know neither the day nor the hour 
wherein the Son of Man cometh. Similarly, St. Paul goes on to write to the Thessalonians that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, or as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. But you, Paul continues, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, he says, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are asleep or awake, we might live with him. Here there is that other sense of sleep at play. Sleep as a figure for the sleepiness and sloth of sin. It's there also in the gospel as well. Did you notice the connection between sleeping and drunkenness that Paul makes and the way these terms are contrasted with wakefulness and sobriety? It's very fitting. If you lose a lot of sleep or drink too much, it will dull your senses and slow your reactions. There's a recent medical study that even concluded that severe fatigue exerts a similar influence on the brain as drinking too much does. And sin has a similar effect on the soul, addling our spiritual senses and dulling our desire for God. And so St. Paul echoes our Lord's call to watchfulness when he says, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Paul calls us to live lives marked by faith and by love and by hope. Lives, in other words, worthy of our destiny in the Lord Jesus, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. The prayer book Burial Office has a graveside prayer that draws some of these threads together, and it reads in part as follows. We humbly beseech thee, O Father, to raise us from the death of sin unto the life of righteousness, that when we shall depart this life, we may rest in him, and that at the general resurrection in the last day, we may be found acceptable in thy sight and receive that blessing which thy well-beloved Son shall then pronounce to all who love and fear thee, saying, Come, ye blessed children of my Father, receive the kingdom prepared for you from the beginning of the world. Watch, therefore, Jesus says, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You might say that our Lord's summons to watch and to stay awake is a summons to live unreservedly for him, to hold nothing back, to be 
all in. This brings us to Pledge Sunday and the challenge we make to every member of the parish to be all in at all souls by making a pledge of financial support for the coming year. You know, a synecdoche is a figure of speech in which a part represents the whole, or vice versa. And I think you could say that your pledge is like a synecdoche for your whole life, your whole self. That's why pledging is an act of discipleship. In offering to the Lord a portion of our incomes, we're offering in that our very selves. Pledging, then, is of one piece with the whole movement of the Christian life, which finds its source and summit in the Holy Communion. When in response to our Lord's unreserved offering of himself for us, we, in return, offer and present to the Lord ourselves, our souls and bodies. And we do this because we know the truth of what St. Paul says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Because Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, out of his tender mercy, didst give his only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption. Jesus paid it all, we sing, all to him I owe. There is an old catechism which asks as its first question, what is your only comfort in life and death? And it gives the answer, that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. What can we give in return for such a gift. For the inestimable love of Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us, who died for us, so that whether we are asleep or awake, we might live with him. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.